we are beginning a new series of studies, in essence, today, a new book. So if you haven't gotten your new study guide yet, it's time to get it. Uh, we're looking at uh, real relationships in unit one, and then unit two is first things first, and then we have another unit on broken vessels in unit three. Uh, so we look forward to an exciting time as we continue to look at uh, these lifeway studies. Uh, let's yeah, begin here by looking at, um, first of all, in John chapter 13 to chapter 17, John described events of Jesus' last supper with his disciples and how Jesus prepared them for his departure. These chapters include powerful images of intimate fellowship. Chapter 15 opens with the themes of intimacy and cleansing. We see that in the first eight verses of chapter 15, which Jesus applied to those who already came to believe in him. Just as Jesus called on his disciples to remain in the vine, Jesus, he is the vine, he called them to remain in his love as well. And that's what we're going to focus on in our, in our lesson today, is remaining in his love, because that's what real relationships is really all about. So let's begin by looking at the first question on page 13. How have you seen technology change the way we relate to one another? <laughs> That's a funny one, eh? How have you seen technology change the way we relate to one another? One thing in, in, a, in another too good way in that um, children are not relating to the parents and stuff at the meal times. Okay. They want to be on the phones or the tablets okay. or whatever. All right. Anybody else? The, 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 um, the office where I work. The office where I work. When I went to work there, there was an Indian, is an Indian gentleman there, an elderly, elderly gentleman, Indian, and there was a young fellow there. And uh, they had issues, right? Uh, to the point that they didn't talk to one another. They worked in the same office. They were practically in the same room. <clears throat> All right? Now, I didn't know, but this is what I was told, all right? That one would be, his desk would be there, and the other one's desk would be here. And instead of just speaking to one another, they would email one another. All right? Because they, they had some kind of problem that they didn't, they, they just had issues talking to one another. And I thought that was so strange until the whole wave of social media came along and then I began to understand what they were going through back then. Because this is many years ago. It's more than five, six, seven years ago. And they were they would just email one another. The E is there and E is here. And they're emailing one another. Yeah. <laughs> back and forth. And they could just talk. Okay, it sounded so strange to me. Uh, but now with, with social media, we, we begin to understand. Okay, anybody else? 
More so today. Okay, if you look at pictures of people sitting in a restaurant, what do you see? Everybody with their phones, their heads down in their phones. <laughs> See, there you go. Seven out of nine on their machines. And they're right next to each other too, right? Oh, yeah, they sit right next to each other. Side by side. Um, Facebook picture with, I can remember, a woman or man walking down the street. Oh, yes. And then she ended up in the ditch. And you don't know. Not to mention how many people have died because they've been on their phones walking across the street and they got hit by a car. Driving and this man was taking his daughter to school the since we were on the bus. And she on the phone and he, I said our relationship, you know, you should be talking to her for the day. But both of them taking up with this phone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's even in church I see children and the phone and playing games. You know, that's why that's why Nathan has turned off the Wi-Fi and phone on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Because we used to have that problem. Kids would be sitting in the balcony, and all they'd be doing is, is going to social media on Facebook. And so we turn off the Wi-Fi on Sunday mornings. Oh, so if you pick up your phone on Sunday morning, you expect Wi-Fi, you're not going to get it. Because they turn it off to keep the young kids from playing with their phones during the church service. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life. Just a backward to say something. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, too, there's, I think that it has... Uh, they, uh, young people don't relate as well to one another eyeball to eyeball because they're so used to presenting themselves the way they want in a manner that they want to be perceived by social media and um, that's a problem and, and they don't do so well carrying conversations with people not like uh, as we grew up because they would prefer to text rather than talk to people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem to be, um, some have said they feel they're heard better by social media as well because they can, um, oh, they can do better on you know, texting rather than expressing themselves. Mm. You know, rather <laughs> than talking. People say all but kinds of things. It doesn't mean that they mean it either. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge problem. But yeah. I don't think that the younger generation necessarily wants to believe that. They want to believe that these are true friends of theirs. Mm -hmm. like yeah. Not even that. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. <clears throat> Someone read that, please. Ever notice how more and more people seem to be having conversations with their phones rather than talking with the people around them? Psychologist Sherry Turkle observes the impact of texting, email, and social media on our ability to have honest conversations and deepening relationships. In today's workplace, Young people who have grown up fair in conversation show up on the job wearing earphones. She says, we are together, but each of us is in our own bubble, fearlessly connected to keyboards and tiny touch screens. 
Technology has given us a world of better things, but not necessarily a better world. We are a culture starved for relationships, but even the latest smartphone app doesn't seem to help us truly connect in those relationships. We read in the Gospel of John that Jesus gave us the key to relationships that matter. He showed us how our relationship with God affects all other relationships. That one relationship is the key that makes all the difference. Amen. So what's the point of our lesson today? Based on every relationship on the unconditional love of Christ. Okay, does it say based some of them? Every relationship, but you know some people only base some relationships on the unconditional love of Christ and that's why you still have problems in the pews because people continue to be selective in what they base their relationships on rather than the unconditional love of Christ. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have. Um, on page 15, that is uh, John 15, verses 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Okay, let's read the passages below that. John 15 overflows with words we like to hear in the context of our relationship. Love, remain, joy, and purpose. So Jesus didn't just apply these words to just any relationship. He used them in connection with the intimate relationship we can have with him, with them, with him. Notice how Jesus began in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, enjoys an incredible bond with the Father. Their relationship is defined by unity, oneness, and love. Therefore, what an amazing truth to hear that Jesus loves us just as the Father loves him. You'll never meet anyone who loves you like God loves you. God has lavished his love on us through Christ. This love is without condition, but not without cause. Indeed, it causes the very death of Jesus. Our response to this great love can only be awe and wonder, filled obedience. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Jesus wasn't saying, if you obey me, then I will continue to love you. That false statement would make this love conditional, and conditional love is the epitome of religion divide of God's grace. Instead, the proper order is that our obedience flows out of love, because God loves us. Respond to his love through obedience. In other words, we don't keep Jesus' commands to earn his love. We keep his commands in response to his love. Best of all, the result of our love and obedience is joy 
both for Christ and for us. Okay. Now notice uh, um, the first paragraph. Uh, what he says in the per first paragraph there. What does he say? He says, verse 15 overflows with words we like to hear in the context of our relationships. What are those words? Love, Love remain, remain, joy, joy and friends. friends. Those are the words we love to hear when we talk about friendships and relationships, right? But Jesus didn't just apply these words to just any relationship. He used them in connection with the intimate relationship we have with him. Look at the other paragraphs there. He says in verse 10, verse 10 says, if, we, if you keep my commands, this is a six and seven paragraph. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain where? In my love. Jesus wasn't saying, if you obey me, then you will continue to love, I will continue to love you. That's, that false statement would make his love conditional and conditional love is the epitome of religion devoid of God's grace. Instead, the proper order is that our obedience flows out of love. We love him and so we are obedient to him. Because God loves us, we respond to his love through obedience. In other words, we don't keep Jesus' commands to earn his love. We keep his commands in response to his love. What did Jesus say somewhere else? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so we demonstrate our love for him personally, not for show, but toward him personally to show that we are we love him by obeying him. Question number two. How does obeying God's command demonstrate our love for him? We just answered that, right? <laughs> Whom you love, you obey. That's right. Whom you love, you obey. Um, it's a good lesson for, parent, for, for children, right? They say they love their parents, but do they demonstrate it when their parents ask them to do something? They complain and they gripe. That is when they It's the answer if you do it. Key word. Okay, having mentioned the importance of keeping his commandments in verses 9 to 11, Jesus offered a new command to his disciples in verses 12 to 13. So let's look at those verses. Verses 12 to 13. Someone go ahead and read it. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves us. But it doesn't stop there. We are to love one another, and we are to love in the same way Jesus loved us. Loving like Jesus isn't just hard, it's impossible. We can't do it in our own strength. But Jesus transforms us from the inside out. 
He places his Holy Spirit in us, and his Spirit guides us in truth and empowers us to live out that truth. See John 14. Okay, let's stop right there and look at those verses. Uh, Let's stop right there and look at those verses. What's the first one? John 14, 26. Got it. Go ahead, read it. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Okay. God will provide an advocate as his representative, right? That is who? The Holy Spirit. And he will teach us everything to remind you. He will be there to remind you of everything that Jesus says that I have told you. Okay, so he's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon us. Next verse. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Okay, what is he saying there? I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter, an advocate. Next verse. This letter is from Simon, Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Okay, so by his divine power, he has given us what? All we need for life and godliness. Okay, all you need or everything you need for living a godly life. Okay, so we have no complaint, no complaints about being short on what we need, right? God says, I've given you everything to live a godly life. There's nothing lacking. We received of him, uh, we have received all of this by how? Coming to know him or by having a personal relationship with him who has called us by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Okay, let's go back to the passage. Continue reading. Okay. We saw the depth of Jesus' love for us when he laid down his life, life on the cross. And verse 13 reminds us we are to express love for another in the same way. <coughs> Throughout history, Christians have willingly laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ because their love for Jesus led to a love for others. Today we still see such love for one another amongst (coughs) Christians. Lauren Sandler is an author and cultural observer. She's not a Christian, 
but she spent a year living among and studying younger believers in America. She was amazed at their, re at their zeal and genuine love for God. Lauren Sandler served two things young people need today. Number one, certainty. That is a truth to believe in. Number two, a love Christian, a love Christians call agape. Again, this is the kind of love God has shown to us. <coughs> Even those who don't know Christ recognize the need for truth and a love that goes beyond emotion. Both of those essential elements are found in an abiding relationship with Christ. Now notice, this Lauren Sandler is not a Christian, but look at what she observed. Yeah. Look at what she observed. What does the scripture say? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's one of the things that Lauren Sandler observed. Love, the uniqueness of this love that exists in Christendom. Okay. Um, question number three. What does it look like to love others the way Jesus loves? What does it look like? <coughs> it's a good thing to love people when Jesus did. Okay, it's a good thing, okay, but what does it look like? You have so many different faces. Yeah, so many different ways. For instance, mm -hmm. instead of answering curtly and impatiently, you answer with kindness. Mm -hmm. And calmness. Mm-hmm. And a sense of compassion. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, we have an activity there called relationship status. Uh, let's look at that. Did anybody do that? Are we just there? Okay. Happy are you? How happy are you with your relationships? Use the following scales to record your current level of satisfaction with your relationships in different spheres of life. Okay. We're on page 17, uh, Michelle. Yeah. 17. You got a new book, right? No, you need to get a new book. Okay, get a book. Get a book from Albert. Yeah. Yeah, get a book from Albert. We're on page 17. Oh, page 17. No, page 18. I told you I had a new book. Yeah, page 17. Okay. Thank you. Okay, page 17. Relationships at home on a scale of 1 to 10. Not satisfied or very satisfied? Okay. Number 10. Huh? Number 10. Number 10. Okay. I only got him to tango. <laughs> okay, you only got one. <laughs> okay. Anybody else want to share? You don't have to share it uh, verbally. Okay, but uh, mentally you seven. can. Mine is seven. Okay, you are the seven. Anybody else? Okay, relationships at work. <laughs> Between one and ten. Thank the Lord, I don't have that one. Surrounding mine is ten because I own it. 
Okay. All right. Ten. Okay. Huh? You ten too? No, I said better be ten since you. Yeah. Okay. Mine is, is number ten at work too. I, I work. I work basically alone except when I have to deal with. Uh, with uh, a difficulty, you know, this week I had a, a, a just to share this one. Uh, we had a, a the U.S. Embassy vacated one of the units that they were renting, leasing, and apparently in the lease, we the landlord is supposed to make some repairs when they leave. Now, normally we do that at the end of the lease. Okay, their lease is a five-year lease. They leased the place for they've been there for about two, about two years, I think, and then they send this list of some things that they wanted done. Right, uh, so uh, I went according to the list, got our maintenance guy to do everything on the list, okay, and they wanted it done by August 9th, we did it by August 8th, alright, so everything was done, uh, and so when the guy contacted me, he said, uh, well, there were some holes in the living room wall and some screws in one of the bedrooms upstairs that you didn't touch. I said, well, you gave us a list. We went specifically by the list. Right. Okay, he said, oh yeah, but we would really like you to take care of it. Now, the holes in the walls is where they put up, they mounted a television set on the wall. Okay, and so they put these big four holes in the wall to mount the television. So, when Kevin came and we were walking through, I said, Kevin, don't touch that because whoever moves in here again, they're going to put another television on the walls. Right. And if we cover the holes, they're going to drill more holes. Okay, so leave that. Um, the screws on the wall behind picture frames or whatever it was, you know, I spoke to him and the lady's name was Susan. He said, I don't know what Susan was hanging up there, but, you know, she should have removed the screws. Well, she should have, but she didn't. So we didn't touch them because someone else who comes in, they're going to probably want to hang something on that same wall. Right. Yes. So I would say my, uh, my, except the situations like that, it's a 10. And so I said, okay. Let me talk to the landlord and find out what they want to do because this is not included in the lease on the the wear and tears of the lease. So I contacted the landlord and she said, yeah, it appears you're right. It's not included in the wear and tear. You know, explain to him that we don't do this and uh, in future make sure that whoever leaves would uh, move what they put in. Now, when I was there, I did a walkthrough with the lady. You know, and she had some stuff in there and she said, oh yeah, I'll have my husband move that or I'll have move this, but he never did. All right, and they left. Okay, so uh, I, I said, okay. Landlord said, okay, we'll, we'll take care of it. So I called um, Kevin. I said, Kevin, you can go ahead and, and take care of it. Uh, so he said, okay, I'll go on Saturday, which was yesterday. So he called me yesterday and he says, my key don't work no more. They already key, uh, rekeyed the locks. Now, when I talked to the guy on Friday, he said, no, we're not going to rekey the locks. We are going to rekey the locks, but the, the, the locks haven't been rekeyed yet, so you can still go in the menu done, just get rid of the keys, throw them away because we win the key. Kevin called me yesterday, it's been already rekeyed. So he couldn't do what he was supposed to do. Okay, I love my job. <laughs> it's a 10. I've had them as 10 before too. It's a 10. Okay, responsibilities in your community. 10 relations. 10? Okay, anybody else? Small community. Okay. Okay, relationships at church. Should be a 10. Should be a 10. Is it a 10 or it should be? It should be a 10, right? Is it? Anybody who doesn't have a 10? 
Me, I put down nines. There's always room for improvement. No, right? Okay. All right. You know, I, I, I used to attend East Street Gospel Chapel at one time, and there was this sister there who was really, I don't know, she must have been a perfection, but she was really a difficult person to work with. And, and someone said, you know, God ain't finna save her yet, so I, 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 I excuse her. <laughs> I guess you have people like that, right? He says, God isn't finished saving her yet, so I excuse her for her behavior and her attitude. Okay, I know we do have people like that uh, who are set in their ways. Look at what Augustine of Hippo says on page 17. Bottom page 17. No love without hope. No hope without love. Neither hope nor love without faith. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Food for thought there. Okay. Having made it clear that laying your life down for your friends is a supreme act of love, Jesus made a shocking declaration in verses 14 to 17 about his relationship with us. So let's look at those verses. Verses 14 to 17. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Okay, now stop right there. Let's look at that next question. Question number four. What emotions do you experience when you consider these verses? When you consider these verses, when you read these verses and think about these verses, what emotions do we experience? Look at the verses again. What emotions do you experience? That was what he said. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you my called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. So what emotions do we experience when you consider those verses? You can get a hope, me, you know, because it's like, if you just do what, what he says, then you, you know that you have a blessed assurance that Okay. Michelle says hope. Anybody else? I don't know if this is right to say or what, but I feel special. Special. All right. He chose yeah. Go ahead. That he chose me to be with him. Okay. That, that, that thrills me. Mm. Special is a key word, right? Yes. I, I, I think special too. Notice what he says. You are my friends. Of course. Okay, you feel special when someone yeah. special calls you a friend, right? Right. 
If the if the president of the United States called you a friend, you feel special. Yeah. The prime minister called you a friend, you feel special. If the queen calls you a friend, you feel you know, it depends on who it is. If they call you a friend, you feel special, right? Jesus says, You are my friends. He said, I don't call you servants anymore. Okay, or you're not slaves, because a servant does what is doesn't know what his master is doing. So there's another privilege. I don't keep any secrets from you. I reveal things to you. Yeah, uh huh. Right. Okay. What else we notice? Do not you didn't choose me. I chose you. Is it unique to be chosen? Don't you feel special when you're chosen? Yes. You know, when I was uh, when I was in high school. Um, I used to have a husband, so I couldn't get involved in sports because I'd get out of bread and have to go run and get my little pump and kids would tease me about all the time. And so when it came to, to pick the teams to, pay, to play a basketball, guess who get left on the bench? Last <laughs> one. You know, they'd pick everybody and then it'd only be me and one, one other person and then be said to be sat there, um, mm. Well, go ahead. I know you're not going to pick me. <laughs> but when you do get picked, you feel special, right? Yeah. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You didn't choose me. I chose you. That alone should make you feel special. Okay? All right, let's look at a couple of the bullet points that he gives us there. He has, uh, someone read the whole thing. Let, let's have someone read that paragraph uh, beneath the verses. And then we're going to look at the bullet points. Go ahead, anybody. Okay, I'm going. Here's the progression we've covered so far. We are loved by God. We respond to that love by remaining in Christ and obeying Him. This abiding obedience brings intimacy with Jesus. We are brought into a relationship in which Jesus calls us friends. Savor that thought for a moment. Jesus calls His followers friends. The next step in this progression is to bear fruit. When we live in a continual relationship with Jesus, we can't help but bear fruit. That's what he told us. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. A healthy branch is connected to its source of life. The tree that provides the nutrients, water, and all it needs to thrive. As a result, it produces healthy fruit. Next page. My wife and I recently planted a young grove of pecan trees. The trees should start bearing pecans in a few years, and in the next decade or so, they will produce more than we can manage. It wasn't a minor process. First, the trees had to be healthy. Then they had to be planted in the right soil and climate. And now they have to be protected from disease to flourish. We are doing everything we can to ensure that at the right time, these trees will produce healthy pecans. Similarly, when we remain in Jesus, he provides us all we need to live and to live fruitfully. That's more than just existing. I met a young server in a restaurant whose arm was tattooed with this statement, I want to live not just exist. We all want our lives to matter, and that starts with the relationship with God through Jesus Christ, John 10, 10. When we walk with Jesus, remaining in him, obeying him, and loving as he loves, our lives will matter. We will bear fruit for him. 
Another way this intimate relationship bears fruit is through our prayers. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The result of an intimate relationship with God is confidence when we talk to him in prayer. This isn't a name it and claim it kind of presumption mm -hmm. that we can ask absolutely anything we want and God will hand it over. Mm -hmm. Instead, this passage teaches that our abiding in Christ leads us to obedience-based prayers focused more on glorifying God than getting more stuff for ourselves. It all comes back to love. Our prayers are grounded in our love for God and what we ask is motivated by our love for others. We all want real, authentic relationships with other people, but that starts with a relationship with Christ. Let his love fill you and flow out of you into a love for others. Then all your relationships will take on the quality and depth you desire. Consequently, you will bear fruit in each of those relationships, fruit that will remain in the lives of others and bring glory to God. Amen. Okay, we had one voice there that tells us to see, and that is John 10.10. 10. What does John 10.10 10 say? John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's the New Living, uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, the thief's purpose is to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Thief don't have no good intentions. Okay, Jesus says my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. So why wouldn't a person want a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because he offers a rich. They're blinded. They don't think. But some people just think it's too easy and they feel like it's, you know, it's too easy and like that. I don't know. It can't be that easy. Yeah. Some people think. But some people, they do the same thing over and over again. But if they just try this, and maybe this might be the answer to them, but they prefer to do it the hard way and keep doing the same old thing over mm -hmm. and over and not try anything different. Right. They don't learn from their mistakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we saw the bullet list. Uh, the bullet list is pretty much straightforward, right? Uh, let's see what the bullet list says here in the paragraph. It says, we are loved by God. We respond to that love by remaining in Christ and obeying him. This abiding obedience, obedience brings intimacy with Jesus. And we are brought into a relationship in which Jesus calls us friends. A couple other points uh, that come from that passage. That's a, a pregnant passage that we just read. A lot of stuff in there we could look at. But a couple, three points we want to mention. The next step is the progression to bear fruit. When we live in a continual relationship with Jesus, we can't help but bear fruit. In other words, it becomes second nature to bear fruit when we abide in our relationship with Christ. And then the second point uh, we notice there is another way uh, this intimate relationship bears fruit is through our prayers. 
He says, I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Why? So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So we see a, another important element of this relationship, prayers. And then the third uh, point is, it all comes back to love. Our prayers are grounded in our love for God, and what we ask is motivated by our love for others. Three important points there. Okay, question number five, as we get close to wrapping. How have you seen these verses practice within the church? How have you, in particular, seen these words, these verses practiced within the church? Anybody? <clears throat> when a need arises, this is an obvious one, I realize, people give. A lot of times quietly. Yeah. But needs are met because of people who have the gift of giving, spiritual gift of giving, as well as others who are moved by the Spirit to help in a situation mm -hmm. or a person. And many times, Many times we get, we get individuals who come and, and they give a check for X amount of dollars and says, I don't want to, no one to know who, where this is coming from, but I saw a need and this is what I need. One example was that when we needed the overhead projector, remember that? Mm -hmm. We need that overhead projector. Someone gave the money, we didn't know who gave it. Of course, the deacons knew, uh, but the person said, I don't want anyone to know who, uh, this is an anonymous, but I want it. And then there are persons who give and said, I want X amount of dollars to go to this and X amount of dollars to do it, but I don't know, want anyone to know who gave it. Okay, so we see these verses practiced in that way uh, within the local church all the time. Well, so what's the point? Base every relationship on the unconditional love of Christ. Every relationship on the unconditional love of Christ. Okay, let's look at how we can put this into, put some legs on this now. Um, live it out. Uh, that's page 920, right? How will you let the unconditional love of Christ impact you and your relationships this week? Consider the following suggestions. The first one, reflect. Take some time to think about your experiences with Christ. List at least three reasons why Obeying Jesus brings joy. I'm sure you can list more than three, right? But just three. And then read. Read John 15, 9 to 17 each day and note what it says about your relationship with God. Ask God to give you a fresh perspective each day and to help you stay focused on Him. Okay, that's a good exercise. As each day, as each day this coming week. And then share. So you get five days in the week, read it each day for five days. And then share. Find ways this week to bring joy to others. In your workplace, family, school, or neighborhood. Bringing joy to others is a way to show Christ's love. And it can pave the way for opportunities to proclaim the gospel. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, so we got three elements there, three tasks to perform. Changes in technology won't change our relationships. 
not in any meaningful way. Instead, our relationships will be healthy when they are founded on our relationship with Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any questions? The, the Lord's love can be shown in countless ways. We all know, but if little things, as much as big things, and I don't know how many of you got this. I can't remember which group I got it through this week. But it was this little um, short clip video of a little boy, there were no words to it, in a classroom, and it was time for lunch. And um, yeah, they took, uh, he took out his little tin, opened it a little, and he saw there was nothing in it. You know, so he closed it, and he went out of the room, and he got a drink at the water fountain in the hall, and he looked out the window, and then he came back in the room, and he was going to put it in his desk, and he felt that there's something in it. He opened it up, and it was so sweet. Different kids had all taken parts out of their lunch and put lunch in his lunch. And, you know, one little boy from the front was looking back, you know, with a big smile, like, oh, he was happy he had helped his friend, you know. And so in little ways, as many and as well as big ways, we can be a blessing and show Christ's love, even a smile. Or opening the door, or helping them hold the bag, you know? God is in all of these, all of these little words and little movements. Amen. Little is much when God is in it. Amen? Amen.